0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Is Jesus doesn't fight the fact that some have more than others and some have less than others. He just acknowledges that reality and he actually implies that there's some intentionality to it. That God has entrusted us all with something different to manage. And as he would say there, it's based on your ability. Now the world's broken and it doesn't quite work out exactly like that. But we've all been given something different to manage. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. When it comes to money, we all have one thing in common, and that is we want to be smart with it. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers very clear principles on how we can wisely manage money and be good stewards of the resources we have been given. We will find that some of those principles will align with commonly held beliefs in the world. And some of the teachings of the Bible will be different from the world's beliefs about money. In this sermon series, we'll be examining all of the ways we can biblically be smart with our money. Please enjoy the message. Now today we're starting a new sermon series. It's entitled, Smart Money. And as I've been preparing for this series over the last few weeks, what I've realized is, is as I was looking at the Bible, is that there's some associations that we can make with it, and really with life. We make associations with places, we make make associations with people, we make associations with certain things. And so if somebody says, Apple, you're probably going to think of a fruit, or you're going to think of a phone, maybe, as you think about the company. If somebody says, Zoom, you're going to think about somebody who's really fast, or you're going to think about. maybe uh, a conference call or some type of meeting that you have to be on, you're going to think of something along those lines. If somebody says the Denver Broncos, you're probably going to think of John Elway. If somebody says Colorado, you're probably going to think of the Rockies. Not the baseball team. Nobody thinks about the baseball team. I don't even think the owners think about the baseball team. Uh, it, it's a rough season. It's rough. They'll get a great draft pick out of this year, though. They'll get a, hopefully, that, hopefully we can get a good prospect. But There's these associations that are made, and when somebody talks about the Bible, we probably think about, many of us would think about things like faith and hope. We think about love. We think about salvation. We think about heaven. We think about hell. We even think about some other things. But what's interesting to me is that one of those associations that we don't make, that we ought to make, given the amount of real estate that this particular topic uh, holds in the Scriptures, is we don't necessarily correlate the Scriptures with how we handle our possessions, and how it is that we manage our stuff and what it is that we do with our money. But the reality is, is that the Bible has quite a bit to say about that particular topic. For example, it's been noted that one in six verses in the Old Testament talk about how we should handle our possessions. One in 10 verses in the New Testament talk about how it is that we need to, uh, what, what, what place in our life that our stuff needs to have 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus tells, that Jesus told us, are about our possessions, our stuff, and our money. Over 2,000 verses in all the scripture talk about this important subject. And why, why is that? It's actually as much as heaven, hell, faith, salvation, all combined. Our possessions get dealt with more in the scriptures than all those subjects altogether. And why is that? Because Jesus knew God knows, Holy Spirit knew and knows that it is our stuff that has the temptation and seemingly has the tendency to draw us into trust in it, to have draw our confidence from it, and ultimately have our hope in the things that we've got in our lives more so than God. And if we give into that, then it is these possessions, it is our stuff, it is our things that can actually become a barrier. To us walking with the Lord. And what's funny about all of that to me is is that our stuff is just so fleeting. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 5. Of this thing that we draw so much confidence from and we have so much trust in. He says this of it. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. It's just not something we can really count on. And we look at our world today, and I would even say, I would even say now, maybe more than ever, is a time in which we need to make sure that our trust and our faith and our hope is found in the Lord more than ever before than our finances because we look at our world today we look at our country today and we've got about we're gonna pay about I don't even know what our national debt is but we're gonna pay about a trillion dollars in interest on that debt this next year it's not quite there but it's getting there that's a lot of interest and at some point that's gonna all add up to where there's going to be some inflation and we've dealt with more inflation than we've ever had before most of us in our lives and we're at a point now where the dollar goes, doesn't go as far as it once did. Now, I don't know what's going to exactly happen in the future, but I will tell you this, is that dollar of ours is going to get to be worth less and less and less. And if that's where our hope is in, that's where our trust is at, we're going to be sure, sorely disappointed. I can't necessarily advise you on a lot of economics. I'll give you a little bit that I think the Bible teaches, but I'll talk to you spiritually. And spiritually speaking, we have way too much hope and trust in our things, and they're controlling us more than they ever should. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25, offers us a new perspective on how it is that we need to approach the things that we have in our life. He shows us what it really means to have be smart with our money. So we pick up in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, and this is what Jesus is saying as he's talking about the kingdom of God. He says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. It's like a man. So in the, in, in the Bible, whenever you read these parables, you got to realize that somebody in the parable generally represents God. Somebody in the parable generally represents us. And there is generally a lesson that is being taught. And if we get that lesson right, then we get to experience more of the fullness and the richness of Christ in our lives. Which doesn't translate to more stuff, but it does translate to more joy and more peace and more love and more patience and more self-control in our lives. And so if we get it, we get to experience that. But if we don't get it, then there's often consequences, as we'll see. And so there's this very rich man, he entrusts his servants with his wealth to be managed. To one he gave five talents, or maybe your translation says gold, five bags of gold. To another two talents and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. See, the lesson that we learn here at the very beginning is that there's somebody who owns it all and then there's others that are entrusted with what this person owns. And they're entrusted with it for a short period of time and it's just a matter of, will we make the most of it? Here's the lesson here, is that God has given everyone something to manage. Not to own, but to manage it. And we all know that because we've been to funerals and there's never a U-Haul at the funeral. You don't get to take it. I don't get to take any of it with us. And, and we also get perspective when you go to that garage sale or that yard sale. And there is that really nice set of golf clubs long ago that's now getting sold. Each club's getting sold for about $5 a piece. That's what's going to happen to your nice set of golf clubs, $5 a piece. Or those Lululemon pants you got, they're in that same garage sale for 2 to $3 We don't get to take any of it with us. We're just managing it for a short period of time. We are managers, here's a key idea for you, not owners. And that's what the Bible reminds us of again and again and again. Now we get to manage it for a while, a few years, a few decades, but at some point, we all have to give it away. We all have to release it. And that affects us. Or a condo or a townhouse. You can raise your hands. Come on, most of you guys. Yeah, but I think 95% of us have had to rent at some point in time or another. Maybe you're renting right now. When you rent something, you're responsible for it. When you rent something, you take care of it. But when you rent something, you know that ultimately it's somebody else that's gonna to have to deal with it. Like if that HVAC goes out, that AC unit goes out in your house, or in your condo, or in your apartment, somebody else gets to take care of that one. You know that there are certain things that you don't have to be responsible for. Inevitably, you get to leave it all behind. My point is, is that you hold it a little looser when you rent it, when you're just managing it. We hold on to things way too tight. And I don't know about you, but if you sit there, and I'm not going to make you do this. I might make you do it next week. I won't make you do it this week. But if you sit there for like 20 seconds and just hold your fist together really, really tight, it's a bit exhausting, isn't it? But if you release it, it feels so good. And I've talked to people who have had to release things. They were forced to release things. And they've said these words. It's hard for me to imagine, but they've said these words. It felt good to let it go. It was t- in some cases, it was just taken from them. They just had to let it go. And they didn't have to be responsible for all that stuff anymore. And that's Okay. Because God owns it all. First Chronicles in the Old Testament teaches us this in chapter 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor. It all comes from you, God. There's an author from years ago named C.S. Lewis, and he wrote a book approximately 80 years ago called The Screw Tape Letters. And in the Screwtape Letters, it's this weird reverse psychology of how to grow in your faith and getting perspective, perspective on the spiritual realm. You have a senior demon writing letters to a junior demon about how to influence people away from, as they would say, the enemy, who we know as our gracious Heavenly Father. How to, how to influence Christians Away from following Jesus. And so he's writing these letters to his junior demon on how to do it. And there's a variety of different approaches and strategies that are proposed in this book. And one of the most effective that the senior demon advises the junior demon on is to make you and I and all of us think that we really own what we have. Actually, I'll share a quote with you from that book. The sense of ownership is always to be encouraged among humans, this senior demon writes to the younger one. Humans are always putting up claims to ownership, which sounds equally funny in heaven and in hell. When you have a perspective of eternity, you realize you really don't own it. We must continue to keep them doing this because the joke of human beings actually using the word mine in its fully possessive sense, he's saying there is a lesser sense that yes, it is yours for a short period of time, but it's not yours really, cannot be uttered about anything because in the long run, our father, referring to Satan, and the enemy, referring to God, will say mine about each and everything that exists, especially about every man. They will find out in the end to whom their body, their time, their souls belong, but certainly not to them. The enemy, referring to God, says, mine of everything, based on the fact that he made everything. Or as Jesus would say it, what good does it do you to inherit the entire world and yet forfeit your soul? So we're all given something different to manage. And Jesus goes on in verse 16. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more talents. To also the one with two talents uh, of gold, of, he, he went and gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, he dug a hole in the ground, he hid his master's money there. Now here's something else that's very interesting about this. That really dials into I think some of our psychology as people. Is Jesus doesn't fight the fact that some have more than others and some have less than others. He just acknowledges that reality and he actually implies that there's some intentionality to it. That God has entrusted us all with something different to manage. And as he would say there, it's based on your ability. Now the world's broken and it doesn't quite work out exactly like that. But we've all been given something different to manage very intentionally by God in that, that for some of you is important. You know why? Because you feel sad that you don't have more, that you've missed out on opportunities, that you've maybe wasted. And and if you went out and spent $10,000 on lottery tickets, you wasted. But you are sad because you don't have more. And here's what's even another side of this, is you are sad because you have more. But maybe the reason you have more is because God knows how faithful you will be with the more that you have been given. And that's really what this is all about. This, this message and even the next few that I'm gonna give you is about us all having a right perspective to be faithful with what we've been given. Whether it's five or two or one or whatever ends up with that phrase of well done, good and faithful servant. And so how is it that we can manage well what it is that we have been given? Just quickly a good manager is someone who is generous with their giving they're generous with their giving they're not they're not trying to constantly get more get more get more hoard more hoard more we all know the Dead Sea the Dead Sea illustration I've shared it time and a few times that that if we're just collecting and we're just getting we end up dead it is when it's able to pass through that there is life that's the blessing I like what Paul says in Acts as he quotes Jesus. He says this, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it's a blessing. Because I've got about a thousand, or I've had about a thousand toys in my house at different times. And let me tell you something, it is a blessing to give them away. (laughs) It is such a blessing. It's a blessing to give somebody 20 bucks who's in need it's a blessing to give back to your church when there's opportunity it's a blessing to say yes whenever there's that chance to say yes to whatever it is that the Lord might be leading you to say yes to it's always and it is such a blessing to give but I tell you it's a bit of a curse whenever you accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate I don't know how much of a blessing that really is Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com It's there that you can click on the Give tab and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day Ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, So, a good manager is somebody who's a generous giver. A good manager is also somebody who's a steady savior, that you're just gonna set aside a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You automate it. I mean, this is all basic financial advice. You just automate it, and you're saying, you know, we're gonna make sure every month there's a little bit set aside in some kind of an account. That's, that I'll get to when I'm 65 or whatever age it is you get to it or there's going to be a little bit of money set aside in some kind of savings account so I can take care of my car if there's an emergency or maybe we go on a quick trip if there's an opportunity or whatever it is. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 11 says this of being a steady saver. Money that comes easily disappears quickly but money that is gathered little by little a little bit by a little bit will grow. And the point there is like, yeah, if you get it easy, you're not going to appreciate it as much. There's been a shift over the last few decades of missions work overseas in which Americans would go overseas and we would do work for people and that, that had a particular need and then we would leave. And what they found out is that the people wouldn't take care of all the, of the work that was done. So like water wells wouldn't be tended to the way that they needed to be. And so there's been a shift to say, we're gonna help you, but we're also gonna teach you. And we're gonna have you be a part of this project. We're gonna have you actually have skin in the game. Because if it comes too easily to you, it's just gonna go away. But a little bit by little bit, it adds up. It happens that way for each and every one of us. Again, simple, basic financial advice that maybe some of us need. Another thing is a good manager is wise with spending. That they're not going to covet and they're not going to go out and just uh, grab a hold of everything that they want. Instead, there's a sense in which they're going to grab after the things that they need. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness because that's really what leads us to being frivolous spenders is we see something that we want and we just go get it. We don't really think about it because we covet it so bad. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Tim Keller is a pastor who recently passed away, unfortunately, but he shared a concept that I thought was rather intriguing about the Garden of Eden, and he said in the beginning, specifically in Genesis chapter 2, God gave Adam and Eve two things. He gave them each other, and he referenced, he makes a correlation there with sex, actually, the two coming together as one sexually, but then he also talks about that they, that Adam and Eve were given the world. They were given all the stuff, possessions. And he says that in that, they were given dignity. I think that there's something to that, that that our things do give us dignity. So it's not all bad. Now, hang hang with me there. Because I think that we know that intrinsically because when you see someone who is homeless, who is really suffering, who is down and out, you look at them and, and if their shoes are falling apart or maybe they aren't fully clothed, you realize there's a certain sense of dignity that has been lost there because they haven't had those basic needs met. What does that have to do with this, with spending? Well, spiritually speaking, this is what it has to do with it. Your things and the things that we buy give us dignity to some extent. But where we go wrong with the things that we buy and the money that we spend is when we're trying to grab a hold of things and possess things that are going to define us. What I'm saying is, is that your things and my things do give us a sense of dignity, that isn't wrong. Where it goes wrong is when it defines us. Are you allowing, are we allowing our possessions to define us? Like is your sense of self-worth based upon the size of your house? Whether you do own it, we use that very loosely, right? I own about 25% of my house. (laughs) So Is there a sense in which our sense of self-worth is based on the quality of the possessions that we have? Then that's wrong. We've allowed these things and this stuff that we've got to define us. And Jesus, again, is trying to guide us back and say, no, this doesn't define you, I define you. But yes, there is a certain level of basic need that we need to have met in our lives that Adam and Eve presented to us so long ago. The last part of being a good manager is this, is that we need to be cautious with debt. And again, there's a very important spiritual lesson in being cautious with the debt that we take on. It's that 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 debt that we have, we can become a slave to it. Proverbs 22, verse seven tells us this, that the borrower is slave to the lender. And in Colorado, we are not doing well with this. In Colorado, we have the fourth highest debt burden nationally. In Colorado, we have the fifth highest mortgage balance. In Colorado, we have increased our debt at four times the national average. We've had more appreciation on our homes than perhaps ever, has ever happened in the last five, six years. It's incredible, the amount of appreciation. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday?